1: On a quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles, Loot Crate has it. Be the envy of your friends and get your 100% exclusive crates at LootCrate.com Shaw and enter your code Shaw, S-H-A-W, to save $3 off any new subscription. October's Loot Crate theme is mythical. You hear the stories, the whispers of creatures and beings beyond imagination. Join us as we peer into the shadows... And look into the other realms of October's truly mythical collection. Get Unreal Items from Marvel, Ghostbusters, Stranger Things, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than twenty bucks a month. One lucky subscriber will also win a mega crate of seriously epic proportions. You have until the nineteenth at nine PM Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. You want to get fancy? Get a bigger box with even bigger loot with Loot Crate DX. Don't forget, before October nineteenth, Go to LootCrate.com slash Shaw and under the code Shaw, S-H-A-W, to save $3 off any new subscription. LootCrate, it's the best surprise you know is coming.
0: Welcome back to the Pro Football Weekly Podcast. So pleased that you are with us again today. And uh, I have a co-host. I have a pinch hitter this week, Greg Gabriel. Nice enough to join the program. We've got Eric at home on assignment in Foxboro. And we'll get to that game in a little bit. Uh, Hub Arkish is also on assignment. So we got Greg Gabriel sitting in. You guys will know him because he's been on the podcast plenty of times before. And uh, you've been on our, our website plenty of times before and seen his great work. So, Greg, thank you so much for taking time with us this morning. Uh, how's everything gone?
2: Everything is doing real good. How about
0: with you? Everything is outstanding. Uh, you know, I, I feel kind of fortunate because normally we take the podcasts on Thursday and we kind of, for that reason, have to ignore the Thursday night game, either uh, preview or review. But because we're taping here on Friday and because it really was a riveting uh, game last night in Oakland between the Chiefs and the Raiders, I figure we'll start there. Um, just a quick reminder to our listeners, check us out at uh, on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to the Pro Football Weekly Podcast. You can check us out both on Twitter, Greg Gabriel. It's at Greg Gabe. I am at Arthur Arkish. And uh, Greg, the Raiders all of a sudden seem to maybe be alive in the AFC West. The Chiefs suddenly riding a two-game losing streak. There's a lot to unpack from this game, and, and we could do a podcast on this game alone. We're not going to. But um, just your general thoughts on what you saw unfold last night. thirty-one, thirty Raiders, a dramatic Derek Carr uh, led it come back at the end to uh, to get the Raiders out of off the schneid
2: Well, you know it's funny because as we were getting into those final few plays, and we had a, a last play, I think four times, I, I was the thing that came to. Came back in my mind was going back years and years and years in a basketball game, the USA against Russia in the Olympics, where the Russians got three different chances to win, you know, to win the game, and finally they did and got the gold medal. <laughs> I forgot what Olympics that was, but that's what this was reminding me of. The Chiefs or the Raiders kept getting an extra chance to win the game, and you give a team enough chances, and they will win the game. And and it, those were legitimate calls against the Chiefs. It's not like, you know, they were penalties that that came out of nowhere. Those were legitimate good calls that were made, and and the Raiders finally made the most of it. Uh,
0: well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I know at one time you thought the officiating last night was maybe a little over the top, but fortunately it wasn't in the high leverage moment at the end of the game. Greg's referring to the Raiders getting gosh, what turned out to be yeah, I think it was three shots inside, four shots inside their, inside the Chiefs' 10-yard line in the final three seconds of the game. Uh, You had a defensive holding on Ron Parker, a holding call on Eric Murray, finally Carr finds Michael Crabtree on the move. What about Derek Carr, Greg? Just a couple weeks removed from back surgery and uh, throws for over 400 yards and again leads this 11-play, 85-yard drive to, to bring the Raiders all the way back.
2: Well, Derek Carr is legitimately probably one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the league right now. and. I don't know if he's got quite as good a supporting cast uh, around him in Oakland as, as some of the other top quarterbacks have, but I mean he, he's a legit player. I really liked him when he was coming out. I thought it was a steal that the Raiders got him in the second round. I had him going back to that draft as the top quarterback in that draft, and I think that was the year that uh, uh, Bridgewater and Manziel and those guys came out, but uh Really good quarterback. And then on the other side, you had Alex Smith, who's having... Uh, really almost a career year for for Kansas City this late in his career. And and part of that may be because they had uh, drafted a quarterback in the first round and he wants to hold on to his job. And at the same time, he's in a contract year. So if Kansas City moves on, he's putting up enough good tape that he's going to make a lot of money in the free agent market if they decide not to re-sign themselves. But between the two guys, we had uh, got over 750 yards passing in last night's game.
0: Yeah, pretty awesome. Three touchdowns, uh, excuse me, six combined touchdowns, zero interceptions. And um, I'm glad you mentioned Alex Smith because this is not th- this outcome wasn't about what he was unable to do. It's about what the defense was unable to, unable to do. I think uh, Alex Smith has to be at the top of the conversation of MVP candidates right now. He's just been uh, remarkable on a weekly basis and was again last night. But uh, sticking with the Raiders for a moment, Greg, what about Amari Cooper? Uh, it, it had been tough to watch his struggles, the draw. The uh, Just the ineffectiveness, very un-Amari Cooper-like. And uh, last night wasn't perfect. There were a couple horrible drops. Look, he went for 210 yards and two touchdowns. And without a couple drops, he may have been closer to 300 receiving yards. But uh, can you think of other instances of a guy this talented battling his hands a little bit? And then do you think that that's the type of the game uh, that really kind of gets him going? I mean, obviously the numbers are huge. Do you think it's something he's able to build on now and start looking like the Amari Cooper we're accustomed to seeing?
2: Well, you know, I think all players go through these slumps, if you want to call it that, if you want to compare it to a baseball hitter. Mm-hmm. You know, They're just not hitting on all cylinders. It will happen a couple times during the course of their career. It's happening uh, to a Maori right now, but then he had a strong enough game last night and came up with enough big plays, 11 catches, 210 yards, two touchdowns, that he may have worked himself out of it. So now when you get in these types of slumps, you lose confidence. You, you start trying too hard and force the issue. And that ends up making more mistakes instead of uh, alleviating the mistakes. But I, you know, hopefully he worked himself out of it. It's a the, the Raiders have a talented team. Uh, and, and I thought going into uh, the season, it was going to be between the Raiders and the chiefs and the, and the way this game turned out. That's exactly what it's going to be.
0: Yeah, it looks like this one could go down to the wire. Now, again, the Chiefs have lost uh, two in a row suddenly, but both, uh, you know, they're in it and have a chance to win both games late. It was the Steelers at Arrowhead last week uh, kind of exercising some of their own demons. I- I've got two more quick ones off this game. Greg, what about Marshawn Lynch? Did, did you see him uh, run off the-, the sideline to try and I- – I'm not sure if he was trying to protect his quarterback. That was his cousin uh, on the other side of that little tussle, Marcus Peters, who put the late hit on Derek Carr and uh, it turned into quite a melee and and then Marshawn Lynch had his hands on an official and got ejected and and reportedly spent the evening in the stands with his family. Uh, Wasn't in the locker room at halftime but came back down after the game. What do you make of this? I mean, I assume he's going to be suspended. Do do the Raiders want this guy around still? What do you think happens with Marshawn Lynch?
2: Uh, Yeah, they, they want him around. He's an emotional player. He always has been he yeah. he was that way in buffalo when when they drafted him he was that way in seattle he's going to be that way in oakland uh you know he's a local guy in right. oakland so it you know it was a, a true home game for him his family's right there in the in the bay area um I, I think it just his emotions got the best of him after the situation. Tell you the truth, I wasn't paying that close attention to the game when that was going on until really right when he pushed the referee, and that could end up uh, causing him probably a one-game suspension. If he's not suspended, it's going to hit him pretty good in the pocketbook. Uh, you know, probably twenty-five thousand, if not more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just can't. pushing off at officials regardless of how bad their calls are sometimes you just that's just something you can't do so um You know, we'll find out. Usually the day these things come down is on uh, uh, the Tuesday after the the, the games are all in. But this is a Thursday night game. I think there was one instance uh, earlier in the season where something happened on a Thursday night game and the NFL ruled on that by Saturday. So it could happen, you know, as soon as tomorrow, but it won't happen any later than next Tuesday.
1: Greg, this was a thrilling
0: game to watch, uh, the, the type of game, you know, and Thursday nights had a few of them actually this year that had been really exciting and the types of game that I think fans like because there's a lot of offense, there's a lot of scoring, but which one of these defenses do you trust more to get things figured out here in the next couple of months because uh, they're both very talented teams and, and they don't look like they're playing championship caliber defense or anything close to it right now?
2: Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the game was on Thursday night. And okay. I tweeted out earlier today that if, if the league really cared about player safety there wouldn't be Thursday night games. <clears throat> you know, the the these guys are big guys. We all know that and and the magnitude of the hits they give and take, you know, has a dramatic effect on their body and it takes time for the body to recover and you know the the Kansas City plays a you know, a game the Sunday afternoon and now you got you know, three days of of rest, if you wanna call it that, really only one day of practice to prepare for a, a division opponent and then they gotta play another game. And I, I just don't think it's a good idea. I know why it's being done. It's being done for Monday and, and to grab that the Thursday night television market. And there have been some exciting games, but is it the best thing for the players? I don't think so. I think if you're going to have a game during the week, the earliest it should be is on a Friday. I've uh, written this before, and, I've, and I think I've tweeted it out before. Uh, and then, you know, people come back at me and say, well, that's going to kill high school football. No, it's not. It, it's you know high school football in the towns that they're playing it's still going to be a big deal, and and the people that go to those games isn't aren't going to change because there's an NFL game on TV. The only high schools where it might affect are high schools in those two particular cities, and you know they said the same thing about when colleges started playing games on Friday nights, and as we've seen, it has no effect on the high school game whatsoever.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I uh, I typically feel conflicted watching Thursday night football, Greg, because I know uh, what it is required for these guys to recover and what a ridiculous ask it is. Last night I felt particularly conflicted because I had this game on instead of the Cubs by 8 p.m. So uh, uh, that was something I never envisioned. But uh, obviously the Cubs bow out uh, not very competitively after uh, an interesting season. So uh, at least we were able to get some respite on Thursday night football and not have to watch that uh, that horse show at the end of the Cubs season. (laughs)
2: I was with you. Uh, The channel turned real quickly.
0: Yeah, I was not anticipating that. But uh, again, uh, the Cubs, three straight NLCS appearances. I know uh, the listeners don't come here to to hear this, so I won't go on. But uh, hard to be too disappointed uh, with what they accomplished. You just wish it would have been a little bit more of a fight in that Game 5. So uh, Anyway, we're on to the uh, the Week 7 slate. Again, there's so much to unpack from that Raiders game, whether it's Navarro Bowman coming in the same week he signed and getting the huge blitz to get the, the Raiders off the field late or Khalil Mack on the next series there's a lot of exciting stuff but uh, uh, we're going to move on and and I think it makes sense to move right on to another primetime game the Sunday nighter the Super Bowl rematch and uh, you got two teams Greg uh, with the Falcons visiting Foxborough uh, that are they're they're, they're sputtering a little bit Um, we haven't seen New England look like it's typical New England self, at least defensively yet and uh, the Falcons Lost at home to the Dolphins in one of the big upsets of the season thus far. So, uh, do you think these are Super Bowl hangovers? I have to imagine there's a lot more going on uh, behind the scenes, or not even behind the scenes. All I got to do is take one look at the Patriots defense and see if something is not close to right. Well, you
2: know what, what people. Don't always realize is there's a turn there's almost a 25% turnover in player personnel on each team every year, and you know you could the forecasters could make these predictions that you know the X team is going to be better than they were the year before they're going to be back in the Super Bowl or whatever, but there's a lot of luck into that. And when you have a bunch of new players coming into a team, they got to gel, and then of course there's injuries, and anytime you have injuries to important people or Core people on the team that has an effect on how they're going to end up playing, and, and teams in the NFL just don't have the depth that they used to have. Uh, number one, because there's 32 teams, and number two, there's there's no minor league really to, to help develop players. And I could even get into a third point, and that even though you got 10 players on a practice squad, the way the rules are set up, <laughs> the practice squad isn't other than having bodies for practice. How good are they get, being developed because of the way the rules are set up right now with the collective bargaining agreement and that there's basically no contact during the season, uh, during practice. You only have 12 padded, padded practices during a, a 17-week season. So I, I think there's a lot of things that got to be changed, and, that, uh, and I know I'm, I'm going off on another tangent, but it, it, that has a lot to do with why teams aren't as consistent from one year to the next. And New England has probably done a better job than anybody in in staying on top of things and, and being at the top of that AFC East for years and years.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little bit of a tangent, Greg, but I got to tell you, with the quality of play, I know we just got done discussing a great game on Thursday night, but across the board, just the mediocrity in this league, it kind of speaks to what you're saying uh, that that a lot of these teams are dealing, you know, with the, with, or they're playing with a short deck, I should say, dealing with the short deck because um, just the competitiveness seems seems down. I mean, I don't think it's parody. I just think it's bad football uh, largely, but um, in well, particular.
2: I can say this, Arthur. It's bad football because, Technique is bad.
0: Well, right. It speaks and, to what you and just said. You the practice have, time.
2: The yep. technique is bad because you don't have the time and practice yep. spent on working on the technique. And why isn't that? It's because you have no contact. Now, I'm not saying that there should be 11 on 11 contact, where that's where guys are prone to get hurt more than any other time. But you can have individual drills, offensive lineman against defensive lineman, one on one type things uh, that can really help. Uh, even the veterans, but more so the young players, develop their technique and become better players than they are. But because of the rules are set up the way they are presently, that doesn't happen, and, and it really hurts the game in the long run.
0: Yeah, it makes great sense to me. Uh, you know, it's a double whammy with the Patriots right now. You talk about not only all the turnover but the injuries, and they're looking at half of their uh, defensive backfield potentially being down. Stephon Gilmore is in a concussion protocol. Eric Rowe uh, is banged up as well. So these are two guys. Of course, Stephon Gilmore gets the record contract this offseason, but Rowe sort of started Belichick's uh, many trades, his his interesting path of uh, eschewing draft picks for uh, veterans last year and actually played big for them last season. Uh, The reason I bring it up is because, of course, the Falcons uh, can't seem to get Julio Jones going, and I am curious. There's a lot of turnover with a lot of these clubs, but not much on the Falcons' offense. It's more the one uh, uh, on the sideline uh, calling the plays. What do you think about Steve Sarkeesian and and what he's doing? Uh, How much uh, of the Falcons' early struggles uh, does he have to own?
2: Well, you know, I, I don't know if you can put it all on Steve, but at the same time, this is really his first year coaching in the league.
0: Exactly, yep.
2: And, you know, he's been a, he's been a college coach, he's been a, a very successful coordinator at the college level, he was a head coach, but there were some uh, some of his own issues that really uh, caused him to, to lose that job at the University of Washington. But, uh, you know, he has been known as a quality coach, but at the same time, he's not Shanahan, who was there last year, and, and they call a different type of game. Uh, I, I think they've kept tried to keep the offense basically similar from one year to the next, but still it's the play calling, how you're setting things up, and then obviously execution is just not what it was a year ago. Now, you can put it all on the coach if you want, but some of the blame has got to go on the players Are the guys playing the game.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, I I don't think it's been as uh, as diverse, as dominant of a run game consistently. The receivers certainly, due to both injuries and and, and struggles, uh, uh, have affected Matt Ryan and and the team's bottom line. Certainly, I think Ryan, like two-thirds of interceptions this season, have been off deflected passes from his own uh, wideout. So, yeah, it's just been, uh, I don't know, something's not quite clicking the way it was last year, and it's probably a combination of things, and uh, frankly, given what a record-breaking offense that was last year, I think it was probably a bit naive to think it was going to click just the same way. So um, that's going to be an exciting one. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of defense. So maybe this will be the other type of game uh, in primetime that fans will love to watch Sunday night, the Super Bowl rematch. Uh, spinning it forward to Monday, we got another interesting one, Greg, with Washington visiting Philadelphia. And uh, these are two quarterbacks playing about as well as anyone not named Tom Brady in the NFL right now. Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz uh, really seem to be uh, to be finding their stride, huh?
2: Yeah, uh, Cousins is in a unique situation in that this is the, what, second year in a row he's been on the um, franchise tag. Uh, I think it's virtually impossible for the Redskins to franchise him again next year. It will cost him close to thirty million dollars in, in cap space, and I don't think any team can really do that and, and keep the people around them and you know keep the, the key people around them and pay them. So unless he gets a long term deal done, uh, I think you're going to see cousins go somewhere and I think because he hasn't done a long term deal, that we will see him go somewhere else. I think he just doesn't want to be there. But that has nothing to do with his talent. This guy, you know, he's a later-round pick, remarkable player, uh, doesn't have the physical uh, skill set that some of the other top quarterbacks have. The guy across from Carson Wentz, he doesn't have the physical skill set of him, but very, very smart, very instinctive, reads defenses very well, Uh, gets the ball out of his hand quickly and is very, very accurate, you know, and and, uh, on top of that, the play calling is good too. Now you look at Carson Wentz, guy who played at a 1AA or FCS level. Uh, Missed a good part of his uh, senior year, his final year at North Dakota State because of a broken arm. You know, played about five games earlier in the year, then broke his arm, didn't come back until the national championship game, and really had an average game there because he had missed like seven or eight games in between. Uh, But to come in and then you go back to last year in this preseason, you know, he only he only played like two series, he got injured and then didn't play the rest of the preseason, yet he was the starter the day one starter and played remarkable football early in the year and then kind of hit the wall, so to speak but now he's had a full off season, just having an outstanding year, I mean he's completing 61% of his passes, he's got 13 touchdowns, only two interceptions and he's just going to keep getting better, he's going to be probably in another two years, he'll be one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. So I,
0: I guess what I'm hearing, Greg, we, we've got Tom Brady's 40, Drew Brees, I think 39. You got other guys getting up there. Whether it's uh, Eli and Rivers and Carson Palmer, and uh, we talk about the 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 you know kind of the rough state of quarterbacking in the NFL. But what do you think? Will will, will the league be in good hands when all these Hall of Famers do move on? And, and we already mentioned Derek Carr and, and some of these younger guys and Carson Wentz. Uh, what do you think about the the pipeline of, of the next young quarterback uh, way? Is it maybe better than, than some give it credit for? you got Dak Prescott, too, obviously. I mean, there's other names in here as
1: well.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's an, an evolution, maybe. It, it's part of the reason that I don't think some of these guys have stood out earlier in their, in their career some of them were were forced some were overdrafted, drafted some were were forced in uh, to play earlier than they were ready to play but you go back and you know look at the top guys the Tom Brady's the you know the Manning sabbri the what kind of offenses were they playing when they were in college where they they were playing in more pro style offenses so when they came into the league they were a little bit more ready to play in that style offense than the guys coming out of college now and and the NFL has had to adapt to the players coming into the league rather than, you know, you can't afford to let these guys sit because you might not have anybody better than them. And we've seen that uh, in Chicago this year where they, had a, they brought in a veteran, paid him a lot of money, but he couldn't play. And yeah. he had to play the rookie in Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, these guys play in different types of spread offenses. Not all of them are the same. Some are half field read, some are full field read, but it's not anything like the pro game, regardless of what kind of spread offense they're in. But what you're seeing in in the NFL game now, because of this, is we're seeing every year more and more spread-type offenses. Now, they're far more sophisticated than what we see in college, but still uh, there's similarity, and the similarity is that they're not taking snaps from under center. They're playing in the gun. Uh, So just to help them acclimate to the pro game, A little bit more, and I think you know, as as these guys get experience, these young guys are going to be the you know the the top players in the league. It's taken you know, Bortles is probably having his best year, and he's still been inconsistent, but he was horrible his first three years in the league and now in his fourth year he's getting a little bit better but still inconsistent so it remains to be seen whether he's going to be a top guy you'd say the same thing about tanny hill but other guys like Dak prescott is is doing well well carson wentz is doing well uh jared goff you know struggle his first year playing better football this year uh, right. we've seen the the upside with trubisky so yeah it, it's it's just going to take time but yeah some of the, these guys i think I think a lot of these young guys are going to be the great quarterbacks in the league over the next few years
0: and of course we'd be remiss if we didn't mention deshaun watson who has taken this league by storm early and and good building on that spread principle uh introduction that you mentioned uh bill o'brien deserves a ton of credit yes he waited a, a half into week one to, to give tom savage the hook but uh, and the texans are on by this week so i don't want to spend a ton of time on him but uh, what have you thought about what bill o'brien's done just kind of in the same vein of what you were just discussing
2: well, I mean, Bill O'Brien was one of the guys who was involved in the development of Tom Brady. Now, he was after yep. Charlie Weiss, who was, you know, the original guy. But, uh, you know, O'Brien's a very capable coach. But at the same time, when you try to, com- you know, compare one guy to the next, and let's say, you know, we use two rookies that are playing, actually three. You could say De- Deshaun Kaiser also was a second round pick and was playing in Cleveland, but Trubisky, um, Watson, and uh, Deshaun Kaiser. And you could say, well, this guy's playing great. So, He should have gone first. It's not the case. You've got to look at the team and what's around them and look at the supporting cast and, uh, you know, how plays are being called. Deshaun uh, Watson has a lot more around him on the offense than Mitchell Trubisky has in Chicago. And so that's going to, you know, because of Trubisky has what he has around him, that's going to limit what he can do offensively as compared to uh, Watson and Houston. You know, if you flip-flop them and you put Trubisky and Houston and Watson here, I'm sure Trubisky would be much more like Watson as far as numbers.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. He's, uh, he's Greg Gabriel. I'm Arthur Arkish. This is the Pro Football Weekly Podcast. Check it out on iTunes. Uh, give us a, uh, a rating and a review while you're there. After you've subscribed, check out Greg on Twitter, at Greg Gabe. I'm at Arthur Arkish. And we're spending a few few more minutes just kind of bouncing around the week seven slate, just sort of uh, uh, kind of spitballing, frankly. Uh, just lastly, on that Washington-Philly game, Greg, um, the defenses have played a big part in this too. And I've been surprised about what Washington's been able to get accomplished no, it wasn't as good uh, coming off the bye in that survival act uh, versus the 49ers last week, but uh, it's largely been solid. They're playing well up front. They're playing well in a young secondary that's kind of banged up now. Uh, and then Jim Schwartz coaching up those Eagles, one of the best run defenses in football, and they're finding ways to sort of cover up the secondary. Um, wh- which team do you think's done a better job, and, and do you worry about Jonathan Allen going down and what the depth looks like in that Washington uh, defensive front, or do you worry more about that face- Philadelphia secondary and how that's they've kind of gotten by thus far uh, without get, getting overly exposed, but uh, they're still pretty short there uh, without the likes of Ronald Darby and of course Sidney Jones.
2: Well, Darby's, uh, I think, started practicing again this week, but I doubt he's going to play on Monday night. It might be another week or two before him. But... Yeah, I think Jonathan Allen's going to be a huge loss for the Redskins. Real good run defender. Uh, But you look at, at Schwartz, you know, Schwartz has been a head coach in the league. He probably has a good chance of being a head coach again but you know one of the things they've been able to do is consistently pressure the quarterback and get sacks and that's helped you know hurry the passer and that's helped the secondary right. which is weak but they've got a you know they got a strong linebacker core they got a strong defensive line they got a rotation within the defensive line so they're not just playing with with four guys or playing with more like six guys and uh, you know i i just think that there is isn't a real dominant team in the NFL but right now the best team in the league is Philly and you look at their schedule the first part of their schedule they were on the road a lot I think three out of their first four games or something. They're on the road now they got three in a row at home and that's really unheard of you go through the schedule how often do you see a team play three games in a row at home you see two but you seldom see three and that's what Philly has right now And I think this is the first of three
0: that's a that's a great point by you the only loss was in week one in Washington so we've got a rematch here and uh, that was thirty to seventeen actually Carson Wentz kind of started out a little sloppy and then sort of uh, well actually both quarterbacks didn't play well in that game they've been playing much better since uh lastly on the eagles and and i'm kind of throwing curveballs at you at this point so so don't worry if uh uh, greg hasn't had time to prepare for this but um do you think with cliff averill going down in seattle is there a better group of of horses you mentioned the eagles pass rush you've got fletcher cox and, and you've got brandon graham uh the rookies contributing now timmy jernigan looks like a great trade acquisition that might be the best defensive front in football right now huh greg
2: Well, they're strong, but at the same time, I think a lot of it has to do with Schwartz. Yeah. You know, go back to when he was in in Buffalo as a defensive coordinator after he got fired from Detroit as the head coach. You know, he took a a defense that was terrible the year before and made it one of the uh, better defenses in the league, and he was only there a short time, and then Rex Ryan came in, and he didn't stick around with Rex Ryan, and then the defense went downhill again. Right. You know, so he's an outstanding coach. He was a great coach when he was a Tennessee coach in the defense. But i got—I got to correct you on one thing. You said that uh, Philly lost in that opening game to Washington they won.
1: Oh, you're right. They lost – where did Philly suffer? To To the Chiefs.
2: Thank you. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, and that, you know that was Andy Reid's wasn't uh, the homecoming because the game was in Kansas City, but it was still Andy playing against his home team. And, and uh, but they beat once uh, at 307 yards in that first game. Uh, they lose to Kansas City 27 to 20, and then they beat New York. They beat uh, the uh, Chargers. They beat. Arizona, and then last week, uh, Carolina, and Carolina's a strong football team on on Thursday night, so uh, this is going to be an interesting game against Washington, but the important thing is... is when you look at the division standings and if Philly's able to win this game again, that's 2-0 and against Washington. It was probably their toughest competition in the NFC East, and that just gives them head and shoulders above everybody else to win the NFC East title. And then you look at the rest of their schedule, it's really not that hard, except that you know, they got a game uh, against Denver, but that is in Philly. They, the next three games are in Philly. Washington, San Francisco, and Denver, so they're 5-1 and one now. They could very well be 8-1 and one before the Then they have a bye, and then they go on the road to Dallas.
0: Yeah, they're, they're playing excellent football. Thank you for correcting me on that. Of course, I'm just talking silliness here. I've got one more NFL game for you quickly, Greg, and I want to just very quickly go over your insert column this week. You mentioned one big college game. Then we'll get you out of here. Uh, Saints-Packers, uh, what do you think about Brett Hundley getting his opportunity? Of course, uh, it's bad for the league that Aaron Jones, uh, Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone, but it was a clean football hit, as you mentioned at our website this week. Nonetheless, what does Mike McCarthy do with Brett Hundley, and uh, what type of test does this seem? much improved Saints defense coming in first uh, pose Green Bay.
2: Well, athletically, Hunley is similar to Rogers. He just obviously doesn't have the the, the same type of uh, passing talent or arm talent that, that Aaron Rodgers had. But I, you know, I think he's going to have a full week uh, to get ready for this game. Uh, they'll they'll adjust the offense to try to play to his strengths, and I think that you're going to see Green Bay. Play a lot better than people are uh, anticipating them playing. You know, a lot of people think Rodgers is out; they're going to lose. And I, you know, when you got strong coaches, and and McCarthy's one of the best, and that whole coaching staff is outstanding. I think that uh, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. This game is in Green Bay, isn't it? It is. And yes. Yeah. So uh, with the game being in Green Bay, and uh, I, I just think you're going to see. McCarthy do a very, very good job with Hundley in this game. You know, could be a Green Bay win, but at least a, a close game. New Orleans is one of the surprise teams in the league. They lose their first two, they've won three in a row now, and they're putting a lot of points on the board. Just their defense has been inconsistent. One last week, but they still gave up thirty-eight points.
0: Right, yeah, a lot of them late though, and they shut out the Dolphins the week prior. Um, what do you think about? I mean, they're playing better in the secondary. They've got Marshawn Lattimore is playing extremely well. Uh, they got this other corner, kind of seemed to come out of nowhere, and Kenny Crawley. What is Dennis Allen doing? Uh, do you think it's sustainable at all? Again, I know Detroit uh, kind of made a late surge to, to make that one a shootout, like 50 to 38 or something crazy like that. But do you think the Saints, what, what they're doing, uh, is it a mirage or do you think they can find a way to sustain it defensively?
2: Well, I. I think they've. Been, I don't. I don't think they've been as good as some people think, and I don't think they've been as bad. That they've been solid and yeah. getting fresh on the quarterback. You got their leading sackers, Cameron Jordan, is a quality player. He's got five sacks. You know, Alex Okafor's got two. AJ Klein, his linebacker, has got one. Um, but the, uh, Trey Hendrickson, who I think is an interesting uh, rookie from Florida International or Florida Atlantic or something, he's got one sack and, and five total tackles, and they're going to try to get him more time because he's got edge pass rushing ability. Uh, the guy, they got to get a little bit more production. He's had injury problems. This is their number one a year ago, Sheldon Rankins. He's only got four tackles going into this game. Right. Uh, but they're, they're a... They're a good team. Are they a great team? No, and it's Drew Drew Brees that the offense, Sean Payton is a great offensive coach, and they've got, Drew Brees has been there a long time. He knows the offense upside down and inside out. He puts up outstanding numbers. You look at his numbers, I mean, he's completing uh, almost 69% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Uh, The running game, it's all right. It's a little better than 100 yards a game. Uh, They share it between uh, Ingram and Kamara. They had, obviously, Adrian Peterson, but he didn't do a whole lot there before he got traded to uh, the Cardinals a week ago. He only had 81 yards in their first four games. But uh, um, I I think a lot of it is is the way Sean Payton has that uh, offense designed and the guy, you know, under center, Drew Brees. Yeah, I
0: guess they didn't miss Adrian Peterson too much last week. Uh, the red game just explodes with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and hey, maybe that's one of those rare win-wins, because obviously, at least for one week, uh, the Cardinals were kind of reborn uh, with Peterson sort of turning back the clock. I'm not sure he can sustain that, but it was fun for a week. Uh, I've already kept you too long, Greg, but I just very quickly have to ask. Uh, you broke down USC at Notre Dame in our, our weekly newspaper insert, and uh, I just want to get your thoughts about 60-90 seconds. Sam Darnold, uh, uh, the rumor in league circles now is that he is likely to return he hasn't played maybe quite as well as most were expecting but of course he's so young for usc usc visits notre dame this week uh just your thoughts on Darnold and maybe one or one or two other guys that uh that that our listeners should keep an eye on this weekend in this rivalry
2: well uh, Darnold's a quality quarterback but he's been very inconsistent just hasn't developed or grown the way that you thought he would after the year he had last year. Part of it is his um, delivery. He's got a, you know, for lack of a better word, a funky-type delivery. It's a little bit long. He drops the ball down low. Uh, he, he has good arm strength, uh, but he, he just hasn't been reading defenses that well. He's turned the ball over a lot between fumbles and inter- excuse me, and interceptions. Uh, and, and part of that, too, he's got basically a brand New offensive line. They have a lot of those guys go to the NFL last year, and, right. and the same with the receivers. So he doesn't have the same supporting cast around them. And you know, in college football, the. the, the the prognosticators are always, you know, they rank USC high because it's USC, but they don't look at the turnover in, in personnel. And USC has had a huge turnover in personnel from a year ago. And you look at a guy like Sam Darnold, he's still got two years of eligibility left. This is only yep. the second year he's really been playing. red his first year, played last year. And, you know, for all extensive purposes, he's a sophomore. I mean, he's a junior school-wise, but he's a sophomore, and, and he's got two years of eligibility left. I think the smart thing for him to do is stay in school. Uh, Could he go in the top five? Sure, because there's a lack of top quarterbacks in the league and they get overdrafted and he will go high if he goes into the draft but the best thing for him to develop and be ready to play in the nfl is to stay in school and i think uh he realizes that because you know scouts who have made school calls there have told me that the, you know the, the thinking right now and obviously there's a long way to go between now and january when the players got to declare but the thinking is that he will stay in school
0: Okay, interesting stuff uh, Greg, this was great uh, I told you I'd only keep you here for a half hour I went over, so we're going to get out of here but uh, uh, we appreciate you having, coming back on the Pro Football Weekly Podcast, it's been a while we'd love to have you back on soon, once again of course, Greg's work you can read uh, every week at ProFootballWeekly.com also in this newspaper insert on Thursdays in the Chicagoland area uh, in a few markets around the country too, you can get that information at ProFootballWeekly.com check him out on Twitter at Greg Gabe I am at Arthur Archer, that's going to do it for this week's Pro Football Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Enjoy the Week 7 slate, and we will be back to talk to you next week on the PFW Podcast.